Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Megan Trotter. I'm not really a balanced individual in every sense of the word. I mean, I'm not graceful. Like I took tumbling for a month because, you know, all my friends did. You know, they're cheerleaders. They're doing like backflips and jumping off trampolines and back handsprings and tucks and all these things. I don't even know what those mean because I only took it for a month. And I remember doing the back handspring and I, you know, you, I, you all know what I'm talking about. But you jump and you're supposed to arch your back. It's supposed to be on your legs and you're supposed to flip and land back on your legs. And I remember jumping and then I landed and I was just floating like this. And the coach was like, good thing you didn't break your neck. She's just holding me. But I'm not a balanced individual. I'm not balanced in my eating either. Like, I, I do not want to admit to you how much weight I've gained in 2021 alone. Um, but the truth is, is us as humans, we, we actually suck at balancing. And college students, we're not really known for having balanced lifestyles either. That's why people joke about freshman 15, sophomore 30, because we're not balanced. Like, we have a hard time balancing our eating. We have a hard time balancing our time, balancing our relationships. Um, and that's what this 402 series is all about balancing act, how life is a balancing act. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all of the extremes of things that you have to juggle. You know, we juggle family, we juggle jobs, we juggle people's words. Like we have to live in this constant pool of living a healthy balance. Um, But some things that we are going to cover this week, next week, and the next week is we're going to talk about balanced relationships. And we're going to talk about balancing between work and rest. The Bible has a lot to say about that. And tonight, we're going to talk about balancing our head versus our heart. We're talking about balancing fact versus feeling, okay? Another thing you need to know about me is I'm not a feeler at all, like at all. Like, I love you. You can cry all you want in that corner to me, and I will empathize with you, but you will not see a tear. Like, it is not because I don't love you. I'm just not a feeler. And I've got friends, you know, that... They see those little dog commercials, you know, the ones that are like, in the arms of the angel. And like that, that first note hits and they're like, oh my God, we have to save the dogs. Like, I'm not, I look at those people and I go, oh, it's a commercial. Like, they're manipulating you. You know that, right? Uh, so I'm not a feeler. And so I don't, I, I will be upfront as, as I talk about feelings from the angle of a person who's not a feeler. So I'll be the first to tell you that. My, my brother would say otherwise because I'm the baby of the family. So even though I'm not a feeler, I can produce fake tears. You know, my brother hit me and I'd be like, dad, like, you know, and so I do have feelings. I'm just not naturally a feeler. Um, and I wanted to look at a couple things that God's word says about feelings and the truth, facts and feelings, heart versus head. And that's what we do here at 402 is we're always going to look at God's word. You can almost always bank on it. We're always going to talk about Jesus because he's our Lord. He's who we worship to. He's who we sing about. Um, And so those are the two things you can look forward to tonight. But we are going to be all over the Bible. And so if you've got your Bibles, flip them open or flip them on. Um, We're going to start out in Matthew 7. But if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. Everything's going to be up on the screen. And since we're jumping around a whole bunch tonight, it's probably easiest just to look at the screen anyway just because it's hard to flip through the Bible. I understand that we're going to be in some little books and you're going to go, where the heck is 1 John? And so just 
just look at the screens. It'll save you some time. Um, but jo- Matthew 7 is this interesting point where Jesus himself is teaching. It's one of his most important teaching passages, and it covers a whole bunch of topics. But I want to look at verse 24 to kick us off, okay? Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, okay? You may think that has nothing to do with facts versus feelings, but it has everything to do with truth has everything to do with truth. You see, Jesus is saying, my words are so trustworthy, are so true, that if you obey them, if you build your life on them, they're like building on a rock, meaning they're not going to move. They're not going to change. They're not going to stab you in the back. They're not like the ocean. They're not like the wind. They're a rock, you know? So Jesus starts out with this big idea of truth being truth, okay? Our world says that you find your own truth are like, you know, you know, girl, like that's your truth, but that's not my truth. You know, truth is relative depending on your perspective, okay? Like this may be my reality, my truth that we bleed purple and that Oscar P was a real duck who's buried on the grounds somewhere and so we can't walk on the grass. That's my truth, but that's not A&M's truth, right? And so we say, oh, there's different truths, but God's word says that truth is truth. It's, It's pretty black and white. It's either not truth or it is truth. And there's perspective. We can all have different perspectives. There's opinions. We can all have different opinions about Baylor's game, you know, but truth is truth. It's not relative and it doesn't change. Just think about it this way. So say you and I, we disagree on God. That, that happens. There's lots of people who disagree on God. Let's say somebody's like, well, it's good that you believe in God. It's good that you believe God is true, but it's just not I don't believe that, okay? Does that change if God is true, if God is real? No, it's like, it's like gravity. Like you, in all your might, can believe that you're Superman and you can jump off the roof and gravity won't, doesn't matter to you, it just matters to everyone else. But honestly, you're still gonna... Like, sorry. <laughs> That's, that's it, okay? Like, because gravity is there whether you believe in it or not. And so God says that he is who he says he is and that his words are like building your house upon a rock. Okay, so just take, let's take a couple looks at God himself. How do we know that God never changes? Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. See, Jesus didn't change his mind. His mood didn't change him so much that he changed direction. He isn't taken off guard. You know, when we mess up, Jesus isn't like, I didn't see that coming. Like Jesus doesn't do that. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Additionally, James 1.17 says that um, he talks about every good gift is from the Father. But then it says, who does not change like shifting shadows or there is no variation or shadow due to change. Like nothing even like affects God's light. Like there's nothing that even can shadow over him or distract from him. He's, he's that steady. He's that stable. In fact, God is more real than anything that we know. Think about it. We're, we're trapped in time. Like we were, we didn't exist. And then one day a man and a woman loved each other very much. Okay. Then we were here and then one day we'll die. And honestly, even after that, just give it a little bit. Eventually our bones will just be depending on how you die, okay? 
watched too many Criminal Minds episodes. Okay, uh, but you you disappear. Like there's a point where you're not real. Like there is a point where you don't exist. Like there is no tangible evidence that you ever walked on the planet, right? But God is outside of time. He always was and he always will be. He is more real than anything that we even know or understand or can comprehend. God is steady and he is truth. He's truth. In fact, his words are truth as well. Psalms 119, 160 says, the sum of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Because God endures forever, because God is true, his words are true and his words endure forever. And that's why, that's why we cling so closely to the Bible. And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, I encourage you to take a look and ask questions about it because easily it's the most awesome, tangible document that you will ever see. And you're in college, so I'm gonna read some cool stuff. But the Bible's cool and it's true. And it is like Jesus. When you build your life on it, it's steady like a rock. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed, all of it. Genesis, Exodus, I don't know the rest. I do, but I don't want me to sing that song. All the way to Revelation, it's God-breathed, which means God said it. He is the one who put it together. And so when we look at what God's word says about facts versus feelings, he said there is facts available. There is truth. And so when we walk in this world and we're confused, we don't know who to trust, we don't know where to go. We don't know who to listen to. We know that when we trust in God's word, it's true. We know when we trust in God, he means good for us. And, and we live in a world of a lot of voices. We live in a world of a lot of truth. But the only truth is the one that comes from God. And so truth is truth, whether you agree with it or not. It's just true. So it's like, say, say your nose is big. Say, scientifically, your nose is big. Like they, a doctor comes in and measures your nose and goes, wow, that's two inches bigger than the average American male your age, you know? Like your nose is big. Whether you like that or not, it's true. And that, that's what God's, God's word is. It's like whether we believe in it, whether we like it, whether we understand it, it's true. So truth is truth. It's the first thing we find in scripture. Secondly, we find that emotions... So the other heart, we, we were like head, now we're heart. Emotions are part of us being created in the image of God, okay? There's, there's a lot of things going around about emotions, right? Our generation more than ever is interested in mental health, emotional health, and it's good. Guys, it's good. Like we, we need to dive into this part of who we are because God created several parts of us. He creates the spiritual part of us. He creates the physical part of us, but he also creates the emotional part of us. And one of the worst things we can do is neglect that because it is part of us being created in the image of God. Hear me out. We talked about this several weeks, but God created us in his image. So when he created mankind, before we jacked up the world, we were created in the image of God, which means we had qualities of God. One of those qualities being our emotions. So let's let's look at Jesus, just, just Jesus, for example, because that's God in the flesh. We, can, we have a pretty detailed account of him. Um, we see, in, and I didn't put these on the screen, but you can write them down and look them up later. Matthew 9.36, we see Jesus. He walks into the city, and he feels overwhelming compassion for the city. And he cries. Was he scared? No. 
But was he sad? Yeah. Was he confused? No. Was he sad? Yeah. John eleven thirty three it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. But and, and even we just looked at Easter. There's this moment where Jesus he's in the garden and he knows he's about to go down the cross and he weeps right. And he he asks God and he's like, Is there any other way? Is there any other way to save these people other than me going through this painful process of dying on the cross? And so he he takes his emotions. He has emotions. He takes them to God but they didn't compromise his obedience, which is one of the things that we'll circle back to. But one of the things that we have to know is it's okay for us to feel our emotions, but it's not okay to listen to them over what we know to be true. And so Jesus knew what he had to do and he trusted in God, even though he felt like, like, like that it was going to hurt and that he felt sadness over it. Let's look at Old Testament stuff, right? God was in the Old Testament. Like he wasn't, he wasn't the Jesus that we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but God was in the Old Testament a lot. That's why we have, that's the whole book. That's the whole purpose. But Genesis 1, it says God delights. Genesis 6 shows God being deeply troubled. Exodus 20 says God gets jealous. Jeremiah 30 says God has fierce anger. 1 John says God loves so deeply that he is love. Okay. And, and some of these emotions we look at, and they're kind of classified in this negative emotion category. If, if you grew up in, like, Northeast Texas, where I'm from, like, some of those emotions, they're, like, automatically classified as bad. Like, anger. Like, you, you get angry, and that's, that's a sin, okay? You get sad, that shows you have lack of faith. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt that. You're like, I'm sad, that means I'm not trusting in God. But God was sad. Was he not trusting in himself, right? And so sometimes we put these emotions in categories like, like some are bad, some are good. But the truth is, is that all of our emotions come from us being created in the image of God. And so if we disregard them, what we do is we disregard learning about ourselves, and we disregard learning about a quality of God. And so God gives us our emotions to understand ourselves better and to understand him better. And so we do, we do mourn, we do get angry, and sometimes we fight, and sometimes we make peace, like sometimes. But like if we, if we just disregard, like if you're, if you're like me, like, you're like feeling's bad, like feeling's bad. Like don't get, don't get attached to people, they'll stab you in the back. Don't be sad, it shows that you're weak. You know, if you fall into that category like I do, we, we really have to learn to embrace our emotions and to evaluate them. Like, cause that's this ditch over here that we can fall in, this ditch of just completely ignoring, completely disregarding our emotions, okay? Some of you are like, sure, whatever. Okay, because that, that doesn't apply to you. You're like, I cry at those stupid dog commercials. So you maybe you fall into this other ditch, which brings me to the third thing that God's word teaches. It teaches that emotions have been corrupted by sin. So God created us in his image and we had a right relationship with God, but we chose to disobey God, which invited sin into the world and it spread quick. In fact, it says in Romans 5, 12, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through that one sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. And so you see this, this pattern where sin spreads I have a friend who says, you give sin an inch, it takes a mile. Like sin always takes you farther than you want to go. 
One of, one of the biggest lies that I have to remind myself of not to believe is that sin is contained. Sometimes we believe my sin is contained. It doesn't bother my roommate. It doesn't bother my boyfriend. It doesn't bother my parents. It's not affecting my schoolwork. Guys, sin spreads and it spread to our emotions. It spread to the core of who we are. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? So the heart being the center of our emotions, but also the heart being the core of who we are, sin has corrupted it. And so just like every other part of our life, it makes it hard to trust because it's deceitful. The heart is deceitful, which means it lies. And this is all, this whole thing with our emotions, the way we battle is with truth. And so when our emotions lie to us, that means we have to trade them for truth. And so we look, we look at these emotions and we look how they're, we're, they're part of us being created in the image of God, but sin has corrupted them and it, it makes it really confusing, right? Like, I mean, so many things can affect your emotions. Guys, if I'm being honest, if we eat bad, we get sad. If we don't go on the sun, we get sad. Like if we listen to too many like, like categories of podcasts, we get angry. Like guys, if I watch the news every day of the week by Friday, don't talk to me. Like I will, I will hate everybody because the news makes you mad, you know? Like you watch too many crime shows, listen to too many crime podcasts like I do. Like you might become a serial killer. Like things, we're just so easily, we're so easily swayed. We're, we like wash around, like everything tosses us. One person tells us we're great, we feel good. One person tells us we're awful, we feel awful. And we just let the world swing our emotions and we follow them, right? We just blindly say, okay, if they say I'm stupid and I feel stupid, I must be stupid, right? If they don't want to date me anymore, then I must not be worth anything, right? We, we feel, we let our emotions define us. We let our emotions define our decisions too. We go, well, if it feels bad, then it must not be right. Guys, sometimes obedience to God doesn't feel good. Like, I don't know if that's what you thought you were going to hear at 402, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes obedience to God means breaking up. Sometimes obedience to God means facing our fears. Sometimes obedience to God means giving things that we love away. Because sometimes things that don't feel good are exactly what's good for us. And vice versa. Sometimes we go, well, it feels good, so it must be right. Like, God wouldn't give me these feelings for this girl if, like, if I was, if I weren't supposed to date her, you know? We go, oh, well, like, it, it just feels good, to be at this Bible study because they never tell me, they never call me out of my sin. They let me do whatever the heck I want. Guys, sometimes what feels good isn't good. And so we really have to always be taking our emotions back to truth to compare and contrast. And guys, when truth disagrees with our emotions, truth is still right. When we're scared and we don't feel like sharing the gospel, but God has clearly asked you to, guess what? Truth triumphs over our emotions. And the good thing about the Lord is the Lord is slowly transforming us. When we give our lives to the Lord, he transforms us. He transforms our heart. He makes us a new heart. He gives us a new name. And so he gives us new desires, things that we used to never want to do, we want to do. 
Like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't, I didn't want to do this, like, talk up here. Like, there was a point in my life where I was like, heck to the gnaw. Like, but here we are, because the Lord has changed my desires to his, and they're better, and they're true, and they're like a rock. At the end of the day, I know that what I've done was right because I listened to the truth over my emotions. And so as we leave tonight, I really want us to find a balance. Guys, when we, when we go on autopilot, when we let go of the wheel on the highway, it's, it, it goes to one ditch or the other. And so when we don't take control and we don't look at our emotions and we don't study the truth, you will automatically go into a ditch. You will go into two extremes. Your emotions will flail you around or you'll just lock down and never give your heart to anything or anyone. There's two extremes. But like when we let go, we drift. We drift straight into the ditch. And so we got to get to a point where we find a balance. And so the applications, the things that we want to take and run with, okay, because that's, that's kind of the point of these things, right? James says that what's the point in just listening if you're not going to take it and apply it to your life? What's the point in just getting smarter instead of getting better? Um, here are some things that I want you to chew on that I, I think could be helpful if we added them to our lives and we took them to our campus. Um, one of them being to continually evaluate your feelings. My favorite phrase is self-awareness is half the battle. The other half is doing something about it. It's like, honestly, if you don't know which ditch you fall into, like, it's time to find out. And if you're still not self-aware to know, the second thing I want to ask you to do is ask your friends because your friends know. Guys, we, we like to think that nobody can see through us. Your friends know if you're emotionally healthy or unhealthy. Are you ready for that conversation? I don't know. But if you ask your friends where you stand, they'll help you. And guys, I'm going to be honest, some of our emotions are deep-rooted. Like we've been learning how to handle our emotions poorly from the day that our parents said hi. Because our parents taught us. Some, some of us, like our parents taught us deeply how to handle our emotions. And some, some of us have horrible, horrible role models for, for letting your emotions drive you or just locking them down altogether. And so some of us, we have a lot of baggage to work through. And guys, some of, some of the sin that corrupted our emotions wasn't even ours. Like, I know that. I know some of us have experienced like deep, deep trauma and that's affected the way we react and that's affected how our emotions trigger. And guys, your friends, like I want you to ask your friends about those things, but your friends can only take so much because they're not healthy either. And so one of the things that I want you to look at is, it, when is it, when's the point gonna be when you need to go see a counselor? Guys, broken people don't see counselors, healthy people see counselors. And they're professionals and they can take it and they know what they're talking about. Your friends don't, your roommate doesn't, and your mom doesn't. Even if your mom is a professional counselor, she can't see you through any other lens than as your mother. And so I encourage you to think about who do you need to tell, who do you need to talk this through with your friends, or maybe even a counselor. Additionally, I think the thing that we need to do most is we need to test every spirit, every thought, every emotion against the truth. There's a scripture that says, take every thought captive and you need to compare it to the truth. You take your emotion and go, okay, I'm feeling like God is not here. I'm feeling like God's presence has left me. 
And then you need to take that and compare it to the billions of scripture where it says that God will never leave or forsake you. He's your refuge. He'll keep you safe. Like you need to take those feelings and you take them captive and compare them to the truth and test them to see if they're lying to you because the heart is deceitful. But you can't do that if you don't know the truth. And honestly, the Bible is a big daggum book. But you need to study it and it gives life and it helps us to know Christ and to know truth. It, when, when they train people at um, the mint, the, the money printing, when they train people how to spot counterfeits, they make them study real ones. They make them study legit dollar bills. And I think that's very applicable and very true to what we're facing. It's like, if we're going to spot lies, then we need to know what the truth looks like first. And it's not just our emotions who lie to us. We lie to each other. Like we, <laughs> the enemy lies to us. Social media lies to us. Guys, I want you to even take what I say and what your pastor says and compare it to the truth. But you won't know when you're being deceived if you don't know the truth. And so you need to spend time in scripture. And the last thing that I want, us to, I want to challenge us to do is to give your emotions to Jesus. If, if our emotions, if our heart has been corrupted by sin, then Jesus is the only solution. He's the only one who can restore what sin has corrupted. It's not a one, two, three step program and now you're free of sin. It's not a read your Bible, go to church, ask your friends, and now your emotions are in check. Jesus is the only lasting solution to what can heal us from our sin. John 14, 6 is Jesus. He says, oh, 14, 6, that's 14, 16. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As if you want to know the truth, you need to get in God's word. But if you really want to know the truth, you need to know Jesus because Jesus said, I am the truth. He goes on to say, John 8, 32, he says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Guys, if, if you're here tonight and you've known Jesus a bajillion years, or if you're here and you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian, that's it. That's the solution. It's to give your sin, to give your emotions, to give your heart that is deceitful to Jesus. You see, Jesus came here to earth because God sent him, because we sinned, because we were stuck and we were dying. The wages of sin is death, which means for every sin we've ever committed, we deserve eternal spiritual death, a.k.a. hell. And Jesus was the answer to that because Jesus did what we couldn't do and he lived a perfect life without sin, in tune with God, in tune with his emotions, in tune with truth. And he died on the cross, the death that we deserve to die. And he took our punishment away. Not only, that, did he, not only that, he rose from the dead. He rose from death, he conquered death, and he offers us life. And so if we'll choose to follow him, if we'll choose to believe in truth and build our house on him, it'll be like one who builds his house on the rock. So if we'll give our lives to Jesus, we'll be free and stable, and we will know what truth is, and we will know the way and the life. Guys, that applies to everyone here. It doesn't matter if you've known Jesus a billion years, which you haven't. We need Jesus now more than ever because our emotions and everything else in this world sways us one direction or the other. And I don't know about you, but it's not fun being tossed around. 
And so my challenge for each of us is to know the truth, to trust in the truth, to let our emotions reflect God and to continue to let Jesus transform them. Um, and for us to ultimately give everything, including our deceitful heart, over to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.